Welcome to the Life Stance Podcast, where myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nikki Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance health professionals to discuss many topics surrounding mental health and current events. Thanks for joining. Welcome back, everyone. This is Nikki Lianza, and our episode today features Sylvia Quick and Miranda Gambetti, and they'll be sharing their tips on helping students get ready to go back to school. So welcome both. Hey, let's start with Sylvia. Sylvia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello. Uh, it's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting us. My name is Sylvia Quick, and I am a director uh, for a school-based program at LifeSense in Oregon. And my background is in education, and I'm also a project manager, if you don't believe. I started this um, school-based program, gosh, sometime um, 10 years ago with one school, and now we are in around 70 schools. I'll be very privileged to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, and we'll definitely be talking more about your program because it, it sounds amazing. So I can't wait to dig into that a bit more. So thank you, Sylvia. Miranda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Well, thank thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate um, this time that we have. So my name is Miranda Gambetti. I born and raised in Portland, Oregon. I am a school-based therapist and a school-based clinical supervisor. So yeah, so I've been with this program, I want to say about six years. Um, It truly mixes the best of both worlds of working with students in their natural environment and helping them with their mental health. So yeah, I appreciate the time to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And Miranda, let's just kind of jump in. Can you give uh, parents some tips on how to help their kids prep to get back to school? Yeah. So I think the first thing I just want to mention is that we all need to remember that we've been doing this for over a year and a half. Our students, our children have over a year and a half of virtual learning, something they may not be used to. Over a year and a half of social distancing, they are isolated from some of the events that helped them through the school year in the past. So before anything, my biggest suggestion when I'm talking to parents is listen to your children, validate their emotions. They can be really scared. They can be really excited. And all of that is okay. I think in allowing children to have their emotional experiences shows that you are there to support them as a parent. So that would be my absolute first thing is nobody has handled this perfectly and we're all doing it in our own pace. Right. So with that, one thing I always like to talk to my parents about is when you have these conversations and how your children is dealing and how they're feeling, support them in coming up with ways that they might be able to handle some of those, quote unquote, bigger emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we're sitting in the classroom and there's too many people, how can we maybe take some deep breaths? Maybe what is a little fun, squishy or something from home they can have to squeeze something to remind them that they're okay. Ask them about, you know, taking a break, maybe getting up and getting getting a glass of water, right? Like we want to make sure to help children focus on what they have control over versus what they don't. And if we give them options and, and have them focus on what they have control over, it helps promote this independence and autonomy that they've kind of been struggling with this last year and a half because they've been pretty locked down, right? So Another thing I would also say, I know there's lots going on here, is outside of school, 
<laughs> make sure outside of school time, there's something fun. There's something to look forward to. There's something to like give them a break. School is their full-time job. And as adults, we've had to adjust to our full-time work with this. And now the children need some support adjusting to their full-time job at school. Yes. So Sylvia, anything you'd like to add to that? Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for asking. Yes, I would like to encourage parents to um, support the child into re-engagement with the school teachers. Um, so what is important is for parents to understand that they're not alone on this journey. And the more the teachers and the support staff at the school knows about the well-being of a child and the struggle, the better they can do. Mm -hmm. Because what you do not know can actually mm -hmm. be hurtful uh, to a student. Um, parents should not be ashamed. They should come forth to um, with their concerns about their students, to the counselor, social worker at the school, to the teachers, and let them know about what are the child's feelings and what is the child going through? What is the anxiety level if there is such mm. thing? It takes a village to raise a child. It does yes. not take a one person. It is an effort on the both right. part. And guess what? If there is an on-site mental health services, I think mm -hmm. that will give um, uh, teachers or counselors ability to, to connect um, family with uh, with the services and mm -hmm. um, enhance the um, journey, educational journey for the child. As there specific points of for students to what they can do on their own to get ready to return to school? Well, isn't this kind of the age old, how do we transition from summer back to school? Yep. And now how do we transition from virtual learning back to in-person learning potentially yep. in some places? So I know for me, one thing that comes to mind is routine, right? Mm -hmm. Routine, root, like structure, all of those kind of things really help students kind of get back into the mindset of school. So a lot of students, it's summer, we're relaxing, we're staying up late, we're getting up late, we are chilling in our bedrooms the majority of the day, maybe playing with some friends, and it might be helpful to start kind of adjusting those sleep times. Mm -hmm. Might be helpful to start adjusting when you're eating, how mm -hmm. much you're eating, making sure that you're kind of getting those three meals a day kind of back to school standard that you know kind of what your school routine was beforehand. Um, so for me, a big thing is, is always about like, how are you doing in terms of getting in the mindset? Are you mm. talking about what's going on? Are you asking for help from your family or supports in terms of, I'm nervous about this. How do I start preparing? Work with the families, work with one another to kind of support getting back into the emotional state of like, okay, I'm going to be leaving the house. Yeah, I'm going to be transportation to and from school. What is my plan? Having kind of clear expectations. And that often comes like we were saying is communicating with parents, communicating with the schools and making sure that everyone's kind of on the same page. Mm -hmm. Very, very so, important. Mm -hmm. Sophia, anything you'd like to add? Well, thank you for asking. And I think Miranda's done a really good job of summarizing um, identifying and creating routines. And yeah. also what I would like to add is identify screen time. Because oh. at this point, yes, at this point, our children are having a lot of screen time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And they're accustomed to it. So they're accustomed to have online classes. They're accustomed to checking their um, social media status. And we have noticed that the ranges and engagement with students and social media gets younger and younger these days. So I think it will be um, very detrimental to a student and to the family to identify when is the screen time appropriate. That's mm-hmm. not going to be hour to hour as you are in the summer that perhaps you can have an adequate time where the cell phone is going to be accessible to the student. Is that something that the student need to take it um, to school with them? Perhaps mm-hmm. not a good idea. Right. Or maybe perhaps um, taking the cell phone away during when, during when they have a homework time and um, letting the student um, have it after homework time. Or maybe this can be arranged between mm-hmm. the parents and the child by giving the child power to yeah. make their own decisions. I think that's so key. You know, I, I think the power, an easy power struggle can happen between parents and kids when it comes to their devices, their phones. And so, you know, the more you can give them autonomy over it or even like setting set times. OK, you do you don't have your home you don't have your phone during homework time. But once you're done, then you can have your phone. The expectations of it, I think, is really crucial. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Sylvia, tell us some other options you think students may have. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Well, I think in the perspective of the options that students have and staying at home, mm-hmm. I think that bears a question of, so how are we, what is going to be a social time like for our students and for mm-hmm. our children? What will be the quality time that they have time to socialize, whether that's one-on-one or even um, in sports? or um, maybe in um, adding some other social activities, maybe a groups, maybe a clubs that they can join. Because I do really believe that the student needs need quality social time. Yeah, very, Whether, very good point. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Whether that is signing a student up for sports, um, whether that's a team sport or whether that is a sport that is individual, like swimming. We have Olympics right now. So mm-hmm. um, that's, those Olympics, you actually encourage students to, um, to have physical movement. As you know, that physical movement is extremely important. And yes. Miranda has mentioned that, that during the school year, the students have opportunity to have some movement going from class to class. So there is some physical movement as well as social aspect of it with it's one-on-one energy with the students. Mm-hmm. But, but if they chose to stay um, online, and that's perfectly okay, what are other aspects of social life that they will have? For example, mm-hmm. my kids loved swimming. So I have signed them up uh, on swim team. And they were able to um, be a national swimmers and swim. And we were um, in the community with like-minded parents, mm-hmm. with a team of like-minded kids that love to have fun in the water and um and we had their eyes on them and they really had a quality time that was a social time for them um so what i would recommend for the parents and for teens or students out there is pick your passion Mm -hmm. because your passion is your drive your passion is the um um, what gets you going in the morning. So it doesn't yes. have to be sports. It could be some other. Do you want to sew? Do you want to paint? Do you want right. to do other social activities? But mm-hmm. have that 
be part of your routine that you look forward to, that is instilled and help you grow um, as well. Excellent point. Okay, we're gonna, so no, excellent point. I, I know we've been mainly touching base about, you know, prepping students to return back in person. Any other tips you have for those students who might just be returning virtually? You know, oh, Miranda? I think, yeah, this, this is an area that I think is really important to address because a lot of people are going to be making the decision potentially to stay virtual. I have mm. noticed that some students actually are thriving virtually. They, um, the social pressures aren't there. They're able to focus in their timing. And hey, more kudos to them. However, they can be successful. It's helped set them up that way. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of return back to the theme of routine and kind of setting up the stage. So historically, when students were going in person, they were getting up in the morning. They were eating their breakfast. They were right. getting ready, going outside, walking to the bus, walking to their classroom. There's a lot of prep time to go to school. When we're virtual, a lot of the clients I was talking with open their eyes, turn on their computers and close their eyes again. Right, so right. If, if, you know, if virtual is a benefit and it's going to be helping to have success in school, I would really strongly encourage the idea of figuring out a new routine and getting mm -hmm. into a different place, a special place that might just be for school. Maybe not in your bedroom, maybe not where right. there's fun, maybe not not in a place where you want to relax. We kind of want them a little bit separate, right? So they're a little bit yeah. more unique in their own areas. You want to and have them is, associated with, with studying and, and being focused as opposed to just having it a place where they would be sleeping right. and having fun, right? It's exactly. And this is really hard. It's going to take some time, trial and error to figure out what works best. Um, and this is something that I think parents can support their children and figuring out what works best for those kids individually. And again, mm -hmm. it's a lot of parent involvement. It's a lot of supporting them and making sure they're finding the right routine that fits best for them. Mm -hmm. So Sylvia, please tell me about your school-based program. I'm really interested in telling our listeners more about this. So can you please share more about it? Oh, thank you for asking. So I'm very passionate about the program and um, I am surrounding myself with the great people, um, um, supervisors, um, program drivers that have passion for the students. So um, like Miranda and other team members. So we are very passionate about what we do. What we do is we remove uh, barriers to mental health and substance use services by being at the school mm -hmm. and collaborating and again, I'm going to bring this word again. It takes a village by collaborating with yep. um, teachers, collaborating with counselors, the principals. And we are on-site service. What that means is that we have a clinician on-site at schools mm -hmm. on indicating days, on indicated times where the student come in and we treat them as if it was quote-unquote clinic. Okay. Uh, it's a one-on-one one -on -one therapy. So the way this works is that the school counselor or principal or a social worker identifies a student that need, has a need for mental health services. Okay. And we, and we are telling exactly the school what those markers are. What would, what would be the medical necessity to, for us, for the referral, for us to support the student? 
Mm-hmm. So the counselor or social worker appointed person uh, identifies the student. Okay. Then once they identify, they talk to the parents to get a permission and talk a little bit more about relationship with license at the school and what we are, that we are separate from the school. We're not an employee of the school. Yeah, and they talk to them a little bit more about HIPAA, that we are actually going to be protecting, uh, protecting the students and the information, and we will only share minimum necessary. Mm. So when the parents gives a verbal or written permission, depends on the district and how they handle their releases, Mm-hmm. Then we have online um, referral process where the appointed person will fill out the online referral form with identifying contact information plus insurance because we do bill insurance for services. Okay. We bill, yes, we are, um, we are contracted with almost all commercial uh, insurance okay. carriers as well as Oregon Health Plan. So this is why to keep in. Yes, thank you. And then um, we are, um, so once that information is being sent, we have actually two referral coordinators that get that information. That's also is sent via secure uh, referral link. Okay. And then our coordinators contact the families. Um, so they do the admin work. They contact the families. They schedule the first intake appointment uh, if with um, a parent, uh, if the student is under the age of 14. Okay. The, they also collect the insurance information. They explain uh, no-show policy. They also um, collect credit card on file for copays. That's the preferred met- method because we don't handle money inside the schools. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how the process starts. Then okay. the parents, yeah, then the parents um, um, show up for intake appointment with, say, Miranda, because Miranda is... Um, a provider in one of the high school. Okay. And then they begin the process. Um, the paperwork is being sent via, um, via link, via portal. So we have all the paperwork. Ideally, all the paperwork is in place uh, before we, we start the process. If not, we have extra forms ready for us in their offices. And mm-hmm. then what happens is for the consecutive visits with Miranda, um, uh, she, she, she talks to the students about what is the best time to pull you out of the class. Um, uh, would you, you like want to make that, that a collaborative of, of organizing that? Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know that the students probably would want to be pulled out of math or <laughs> exactly funky sub- <laughs> yeah, some funky <laughs> subjects. But Miranda is a very brilliant person and other providers as well. So they do um, coordinate this with the student and also sometimes with the school counselor as well, where um, they will give them pointers. Mm-hmm. Some of our clinicians have access to student schedules. Some of the um, counselors are sending student schedules. So we know um, what the schedule looks like. And um, yeah, that, that, that's the yeah. gist of a process. Um, we offer at the schools um, one-on-one therapy. We actually are also, if there needs to be high level of care, we triage uh, oh, wow. to, to other services. Yes, okay. so we triage whether that's in office or um, IOP services or high level of care services. So we triage that to okay. our community partners. So um, we are very mindful of that. So we, like I mentioned, we offer one-on-one therapy, group therapy sessions. Uh, we connect families and students with our skills trainers. Um, 
we offer clubs, educational clubs for students. Oh, wow. um, oh that's yes, great. Uh, yes, and those clubs are um, non-billable hours, but we get funding for that from the okay. school to have those clubs and to teach students emotional regulation um, uh, in collaborative moment uh, motive. Um, what else do we do? I think we, um, I mentioned we incorporate skills trainers. We also provide professional development for the teachers. Okay. And yes, uh, because uh, we found out and Miranda um, actually was one of the drivers of that professional development when oftentimes students with, for example, ADHD diagnoses, they are mm -hmm. dysregulated and they are behaving in a certain way, right, right. but the teacher is not able to identify. They identify them sometimes as dysregulated, bad children and right. um, disorganized. And by educating the teachers, what are the symptoms of potential ADHD child right. and how they can engage the child and how so they important. can help the, yes, mm -hmm. how they can help the child support them in the academic process and progress that actually opens eyes to the teacher saying, oh, shoot, huh, mm -hmm. maybe that student is actually has some issues with, with, with attention, um, not labeling them as a bad child. So professional development for teachers and staff is extremely important. Right. Well, let me ask, Miranda, it sounds like you're a clinician at, a, at one of the high schools. What's it like to be a clinician in, in the schools? So I, I laugh a little bit because I, I just absolutely love it. So I have, within my time with the school-based program, I've worked in elementary, middle, and high schools. And, and high schoolers are just my favorite humans in the world. They are just wonderful. So I love working in the schools because, number one, I'm in their environment. I'm in their house. Mm. I'm in their comfort zone. I notice that when I meet with students at their school, they come really raw. They come exactly who they are. At the office, sometimes there's a little bit of, from my experience at least, sometimes a little bit of fear of like, well, I'm sitting in a waiting room and I have to go talk to this person in this office. Mm -hmm. And I just like the feel of being just with them in their in their home environment at the schools. So what I, my personally do is I love how I can go to my office at the school and have a teacher's assistant, just another student, go run a note to the classroom that says, hey, can you pull... I don't know. It's always Johnny, right? Can you have Johnny come down to the counseling office? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say to meet with Miranda with Life Stands Health to yeah. see your mental keeping health it, therapy. <laughs> keeping it discreet still. Keeping right. it super discreet. Come on down to the counselor's office. My office is next to the other counselors. So I can meet with the client right then and there. Um, like Sylvia says, picking kind of the best times each week to see. Um, some students like to have lunch with me, which I think is a really nice way to kind of meet them where they're at, especially if they're having some anxiety in terms of how do I interact with people during lunch? Where do I sit during lunch? It kind of can help give some like, you know, direct hands-on yeah. guidance and support with those right. kind of avenues. Yeah. And so that leads me to my next question, which I think you alluded to this quite a bit is, you know, what are the benefits of meeting students in their school environment? I, I think you mentioned you're meeting them raw there. And I think there is so much positive work that can be done with that. But can you tell yeah. us more about the benefits? Yeah, well, one huge benefit is just time, right? So mm -hmm. we're not having to parents take time off work, drive to the school, drive to the appointment, 
wait for the appointment, drive back to school, drive back to the office. A two-hour event now just becomes a 45, 50-minute event for the students. So time-wise, it's super effective. Um, another benefit, like I said, is you're in their natural environment. I love walking the hallways during passing period. I can get a vibe for how the school community is feeling. I know if there's fire drills happening. I know if there's some unfortunate drama happening at the school because mm -hmm. I'm there. So if a student mm -hmm. comes in more triggered, I might be, I, I will, I might, I will have the awareness that maybe there was a, a shooter drill, or maybe there was a lock-in mm -hmm. drill or a lockdown drill. So just being aware of what the environment at the school and what the community is feeling at that moment can really help guide how session may or may not look. So I think it's a huge benefit, especially where we are nowadays and especially right. with the different, you know, realities that students are facing that some of us might not have had to face when we were in school. Right, right. Oh, my gosh, I agree. Mm -hmm. Sylvia, anything else on your end? Anything else you'd like to add about the program? You guys have been such a wealth of, of information regarding this. Anything else for you, Sylvia? Well, well, thank you. Thank you for asking. I want to... Uh, Kind of follow up on what Miranda had said. Um, she has a greater lens. Our clinicians have greater lens as seeing the student as a whole. The students spend in schools and at schools about most of their days, and the parents, um, most of the time, uh, they are not privy to the information that. Um, the school might have, and sometimes the communication. There's a breakdown in communication. Mm -hmm. But our providers actually have ability to see all sides of the coin and support the student in their natural environment and then perhaps talking to the parents. And um, it is extremely important to involve the parents and educate them uh, and support them because being a parent is really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I know how um, when I was raising my children. So that was uh, that was quite a journey. I became a better person by it, but it always helps to mm -hmm. involve parents. So I grew up in Poland um, and we were raised not only by our parents, but also by community members, which I, my aunts and uncles and neighbors always had eyes on us. And um, it, it took entire community to, um, for us to grow up and I'm better for it, as a, be, better for, for it as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the feeling in the community that we, want to bring to schools. I do believe that um, having services at schools should be something that every school should have incorporated. Not, not only that removes barriers to mental health services, but removes stigma. Because, yeah. yeah, can you imagine students mm -hmm. talking about it and bragging about having therapists? I know. I think it's so amazing how the younger generations have really begun to break down the stigma of mental health. And it's so important that students feel safe to reach out and ask for help when they're struggling, which is why your program is so important. Sylvia, Miranda, thank you again for sharing about the great work you do in your school-based program and also for all the helpful tips you gave our parents and students to help them prepare to go back to school. As we wind down our episode, I want to let our listeners know that if you'd like to share your own back-to-school moments, please do so at hashtag NotOneFace on your social media. 
Once again, thank you, Sylvia and Miranda, and I hope everyone has a great school year.